Welcome, welcome, welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for May 14th, 2018. You know, it just seems like this year is zooming by. It's like the middle of May already. I mean, the year's almost half over. Uh, what, five, six weeks away? <laughs> it, it's crazy, but you know, that that actually irritates me when people say, time's really going fast. Isn't isn't the year just zooming by? And, and you go, yeah, but time's a constant. So, so, so when I complain about it myself, I have to kind of kick myself for it. <laughs> Uh, you'll find me online as Trade Show Guy on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and on YouTube as Trade Show Marketing. Of course, the blog is tradeshowguyblog.com. I have a couple of books out, uh, which you can find on Amazon, including Trade Show Success and this one, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. More on that in just a moment. Uh, no guest again this week. I do have some scheduled for later in the month and in early June, but uh, flying solo again today, which, yeah, just fine with me. I do have an interview, though, to play uh, for you that Mel White of Classic Exhibits did with me last week on the book, and we'll see that in just a minute or two. But first, I got to thinking about uh, what to talk about, and, and the word collaboration came up. Collaboration is so, so important in today's world. Um, you know, depending on the goal of collaboration, uh, you can build different teams with different people, different companies, different tasks, different projects. Maybe it's ongoing. Uh, for example, in my world, uh, my company depends on collaboration with experts in uh, 3D exhibit design, graphic design, exhibit fabrication, uh, shipping, installation, and dismantle of uh, the booth on the trade show floor, not to mention uh, having good coordination, collaboration, and communication with the client, you know, to make sure they're as pleased as punch. So collaboration is so very important. A collaboration can come in many, many forms. Uh, I ran across an article online at Inc.com that looks at collaboration and offers several keys on how to make it work at its best. I'll leave a link in uh, the showroom to the ink link. That's the ink link. <laughs> About the first collaboration that this writer says that the, the collaboration must create value. Got to have value for both you and your partners. You got to know what value you're providing and that you provide as much as possible with uh, these resources you have. Number two, it's got to result in competitive advantage for you. So they illustrate, okay, one plus one sometimes equals three because the sum of two parts, as it were. Uh, number three, take account of your abilities. So uh, when you collaborate with others, you have to know what you bring to the table and uh, what are these things that maybe your partner may lack. At the same time, know your weaknesses and uh, you both should be aware of both strengths and weaknesses. Number four, your partners must be able to do what you've asked them to do and being self-motivated. Uh, so it's a mutual benefit and your partners must be experienced in skills. Uh, number five, your partners should have no awkward conflicts of interest. Uh, no conflicts of interest with other individuals or companies that don't intrude on the relationship and trust that you are building with each other. So word to the wise, do your due diligence up front to make sure that uh, doesn't come up halfway through the, the project. Number six, your partners do not have and will not gain too much bargaining power. Roughly should be equal. You may be leading the project, but... Uh, if you control everything, they probably won't want to be that involved with you. Uh, it may be that they want to have a lot of say in what's going on and, and, there's, and what they say should be of value to you. That's why you're asking them to be a partner. Number seven, set goals and constraints to measure performances. So know what you're going to get out of the partnership. Maybe it's a time-limited partnership and whatever comes out of that time, maybe it's a specific uh, task or project that needs to be done. 
if there are constraints in the collaboration, they need to be defined in advance. Uh, number eight, align rewards with performance. Uh, successful collaborations incentivize performance in ways that reward the parties for achieving specific goals and milestones. Number nine, specify uh, favorable terms to ensure the success of your collaboration. Be prepared to offer favorable terms to the other party. And you should expect and require the same in return. And finally, number 10, uh, meet requirements from partner's perspective as well as your own. Uh, gosh, the more of the above nine keys to collaboration you have working for you, the better. And you should meet as many as possible. And the best uh, scenario is you would meet all nine of them from your perspective and from your partner. So again, look for the link to that article on the show notes. I mentioned that I would show you an interview that Mel White, VP of Business Development at uh, Classic Exhibits, uh, did of me last week at his suggestion about my new book. Uh, let's, let's, let's take a look here. Hi, this is Mel from Classic Exhibits, and I'm here with Tim Patterson, a.k.a. the Trade Show Guy. And we're going to talk today about trade shows, trade show marketing, and books. So I've known Tim for quite a while, and one of the things I've always admired about Tim is that he is so proficient at social media, at blogging, and about videos, about topics about trade show and trade show marketing. He's done just a terrific job. Uh, a couple years ago, he wrote a book, Trade Show Success, and that book has done very, very well. And he's following that book up with another one, which I think is even better, which is Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. So Tim... What I want to do is I want to ask you why that title, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. The Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies uh, came out of a couple of lists I had written for my blog, Trade Show Guy blog, which, um, you know, I, I did the math on it. It's actually 10 years old this year. Wow. <laughs> uh, I started as a lark a long time ago with another company, um, but... One of the things I found out over time is that people like to le read lists, and every once in a while I'd go in and look at, you know, what what blog posts got the most uh, views, as it were, and lists always got the most views. And so along the way, I had I'd make up stuff, you know, and have fun. Some of them would be related to, um, you know, the the top, top kinds of flooring you could have, mm. or the the just a, a variety of lists. And I did one on trade show superheroes, the kinds of trade show superheroes you'll meet. I remember meet. that yeah, one. I, yeah. I like that one. And then I did one on the kinds of exhibiting zombies you'll find, because zombies were, were very popular and, and probably still are. I don't watch the zombie shows, but, you know. Uh, and so, I, and, and as I'm, and I'm creating this book and trying to compile all this stuff together, uh, I remember those two lists, and trade show superheroes and exhibiting zombies kind of just came up and I said, that's it, that's got to be the one, you know. It's a great title. I really yeah. love that title. So so who is the audience for this book? Really, it's for any small to medium-sized company that does any sort of trade show marketing, whether they're new to it or whether they've done it for a while. I think there's some ways that this book can help them. Uh, there's a lot of lists in there that relate to various aspects of trade show marketing. And I think that any... Anybody who does any sort of trade show marketing or is considering it uh, would benefit from, from reading this book. All right. So you, I think you said there's 66 lists in there. Talk a little bit more about why the list as far as how someone would kind of approach the book. 
Well, it's it's a book that you certainly could read from front to back, but that doesn't have to be. You could you could go in there and, and there's because it's broken down into chapters. I've I've got chapters on uh, budgeting, buying an exhibit, uh, pre-show marketing, follow-up things like that. So I've grouped them into various uh, categories mm. to kind of make it easier to go through. But you can just pop it open anywhere and, and read lists like 10 annoying things trade show attendees do. I mean, <laughs> we all know these things if you've been to trade shows. Uh, 10 things to look for in competitors' trade show booths, you know, ah, the, with the spy versus that's a good spy. One. So, so, so if, you're, if you're thinking about various aspects of trade show marketing and, you know, maybe you're on the way to the show and you're, you're planning for a show, you're on a plane, you, you start to poke through this and you say, oh, here's five mistakes you're making at a trade show. And you go, am I making these mistakes? So I think uh, the, the whole idea was to group these in lists that are easy to jump in and, and take just bite-sized. And so it's fun to read. Uh, you can read the whole thing all at once, but if you only read for a couple of minutes, you're going to pick up something, I think. So. And it's great because of lists, because you can share those individual lists with people who may have specific concerns about uh, certain topics in trade show marketing. Right, right. So so, so if, you, if you're looking at starting a, a trade show, uh, where do you start? Well, budgeting and, and what's the booth going to be? So those lists are grouped at the beginning. How to sell... Uh, a trade show project to the boss. You know, mm -hmm. the, I've broken that down into probably eight different ways to sell a trade show booth project to the boss. How do you pitch them on it? Ah. And so those types of things. Um, and, and, and I use it a lot for, I, I give a lot of these copies away to potential prospects, and it's a great business card to have, but uh, uh, certainly uh, people want to buy it, they can find it on Amazon. So so, so that's the best place to, to, to buy the yes. book. They can probably... Um, reach you directly as well, right? Yes, uh, all that information is in there, but if uh, you just follow me on Twitter, a trade show guy, I'm a trade show guy on Instagram, and the contact information is there, uh, phone numbers or websites. Um, people reach out to me, I'm, I'm pretty receptive to responding to them. So, yeah. So, for anyone who's interested in that book, I encourage you to contact Tim Patterson or go to his website, trade show guy. Tradeshowguyblog.com. There's lots and lots of uh, interesting articles there. Um, and thanks, Tim. I appreciate you spending time with me today. Thanks, Mel. Appreciate you having me. All right. Thanks. Hey, thanks to Mel for offering to do that. Really fun stuff. Uh, I do have a trade show tip of the week. It's a quick list from... Trade show superheroes and exhibiting zombies book. It's about post-show follow-up and activities. <laughs> uh, the top 12 debriefing questions. All right. You just returned from a trade show. You're exhausted and you must get the expense sheets done, getting leads or contacts to the right folks and send out thank you notes. But uh, you should debrief before you get too far past it. Uh, so things to ask. What did I learn about the booth? What did I learn about the people I worked with? What was most important to the visitors in your booth? What did not work about the booth or the exhibit setup? Uh, what was not important to the attendees? Maybe you thought something would be really cool. It wasn't. What failed? What succeeded? What questions did you ask got the best response from visitors? Uh, what were the visitors' most telling questions? Did they have things that you were not expecting? How can I use what I learned for the next show? I think that's very important as well. How much time do I reasonably need to prepare for any significant changes? So maybe the questions or your reaction to some of the things that happen in the booth dictates you make changes. How much time do you need? So that's part of your debrief. 
Finally, do small changes work or do you need to incorporate some large scale changes? So this applies to the exhibit itself, the, the, the booth property, how things were handled, how your visitors and attendees handled, how, how did your staff handle it all? So uh, a little, little list from the trade show superheroes book, which you can find more information about at uh, tradeshowsuperheroes.com. Finally, one good thing. I ran across a uh, LinkedIn post from uh, Dave Brown, who is one of the managers at uh, Optima Graphics, one of our partners, one of our collaborators. And he linked to something. Uh, it was actually a Grateful Dead concert at, um, at uh, what's it called? Archive.org. Now, archive.org has all sorts of stuff. I've been kind of playing with it and looking around. Nonprofit library of millions of free books. Millions, I say, millions of free books and movies, and software, and music, and websites, and more. So uh, if you look for um, free music, let's go with the Live Music Archive just for fun. You've got tons of stuff, 185,000 things in here that you can look through. And if you kind of, I'm just poking through here, you've got uh, Grateful Dead, Phil Lesh and Friends, something called Disco Biscuits, I don't know, The String Cheese Incident, okay, Smashing Pumpkins, Radiator, so a lot of live concerts in here, uh, Hot Buttered, Rum, Ryan Adams, just it goes on and on. Let's take one more look here, uh, just for fun. Uh, one of the uh, yeah, community audio, community video. I mentioned the live music archive, community media, American libraries. If you go to LibriVox, there are 11,000 books in there, audio books. The first one I saw was someone narrating Tom Sawyer. So you can listen to the entire book. Just It's all free. This is all free. This is archive public domain stuff or stuff that's offered free. So uh, Community Spirituality and Religion, uh, University of Toronto Robarts Library, Folk Soundonomy, a library of sound. Uh, you got feature films. Let's take a look at the feature films and then we'll wrap this up here. 5,330 items in the feature films. Uh, shorts, silent films, trailers, all available for viewing and downloading. We've got sci-fi, horror, comedy films, film noir, the video seller. Some of the titles include Return of the Kung Fu Dragon. Uh, oh, here's one called Sex Madness. This looks like it uh, comes from way back. <laughs> it looks uh, like an old black and white film. Plan 9 from Outer Space. Now, there's a there's a classic. So uh, this Sex Madness, by the way, is from 1938 under the public domain. It's a fun website. You'll have fun with it. Archive.org. Check the link. All right, that wraps it up for uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for... The 14th of May, the year's almost half done. Have yourself a great week.